Proverbs chapter 14 in verse 8. As this morning, I want to share with you a study entitled Field Goals for You and Me. You know, what, what comes to mind when you hear the word goal? When, when you hear the word goal, well, first I would say, of course, in, in New Year's context especially, we have that standard definition of a goal, and that is the object of a person's ambition, their aim, their aspiration. A goal is like a target we shoot for in life. Goals are what we set to get, and we're willing to exert, exert extra effort to earn. And so I believe goals are, are good to have. And in one sense, it's just being prudent, right? Which simply means we show care and thought for the future. You know, here in Proverbs 14.8, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. I like the way the NIV puts it. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways but the folly of fools is deception. I mean, you have to think about your future. You have to think about your goals. You have to think about 2022 and what happened in 2022. Is there anything that you can learn from? You know, January is the, is the, 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 you know, the picture of this person looking both ways. January, you know, looking back, how was it? Is there anything that you can learn from? Maybe mistakes that you made. You're looking back, you're mulling through it. You're not just going to go through it and, you know, not learn anything, right? You look back, but then you look forward. And that's why many people make goals. Um, they kind of call them New Year's resolutions as the year begins. You have to give thought to it. Uh, for us as Christians, you give prayer to it, Right? The, the NLT says the prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. And so imagine getting in your car, you turn on the ignition, you start driving, right, without a clue as to where you're going. Well, some people do that in life. You know, they're, they're going, they're living, but they don't have any God-given goals. You know, for us, it's very important. Now, I'm not saying we know everything, because none of us do, right? Um, you know, one person said, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. And so I'm not saying we know everything, right? And I'm also not talking about, well, where are you going? Well, man, yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. Christians know we're going to heaven. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about our life. What might God have for us and our family in life? And so I think it's good to have goals, and they can cover all areas of life. You know, one online article listed the following eight goals as the top goals of Americans going into 2023. Um, to live healthier, to improve my happiness. There are certain financial goals. This is very important. Certain relationship goals. Uh, to travel more, to exercise more, to stop smoking, stop drinking. Those are the top eight listed in the United States of America. Now, some of these are good goals to have, but of course, as Christians, we need to go deeper, right? You know, they say that 40% of all people will set new goals for the new year as New Year's resolutions. So 40%, not everyone does it, but a, a lot do. And so when we think of Goals And so, Manny, today's study is called Field Goals. When you think of goals, so what's that all about? Well, that's one place, right? The ambition, aspiration, aim, what we set to get, what we exert effort to earn. These are our goals, right? The target we're shooting for. 
But, but secondly, when we hear the word goals, many of us have to admit, if you're, especially guys, probably girls too, we think sports, huh? Any of you guys, when you hear the word goal, you're like, soccer. <laughs> we just got done with that amazing World Cup and even recently, uh, the passing of Pele. We, we think of, of soccer. We think of sports. Maybe any of you guys here hockey fans? Any of you guys like hockey? I'm just curious. No one here? Well, one person, two people. You know, those are goals that we have. What I'm thinking, though, primarily when I think of goals, is I'm thinking of football. When it, when it comes to sports here in America, we know the dominant sport is football. Football, uh, with 9 million active participants and 112 million TV viewers, American football, also called gridiron, is undoubtedly the most loved and watched sport in America. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. We actually have a graphic that compares the different sports. And so you could look at football. Look at how big it is. Uh, underneath that, you have uh, basketball. And then, believe it or not, soccer passed up baseball. And then you have you know, hockey. And so you know, when we're talking about goals... Yeah, aims, aspirations, ambitions, what I set to get, what I exert effort to earn. Where, where this, is where, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to be like. These are my goals. This is what I desire, right? But then you're also thinking about um, football. That's what I am anyways. And so in football, you have field goals. You have first goals, uh, first and goal. You have goal line stands. There are, are those goals that we think of in sports. And, and of course, they're kind of related in principle, but they're different entities, and so this morning, um, is it okay to have a little fun? Are you guys not into that? You're like, no, Manny, what's, what's the football thing? You know, we're in church. We're in church. Yeah, we're in church. But you want to know what Jesus did when he wanted to reach the people? He reached them where they were. And so I know um, I was just praying and asking the Lord what to share today. And by, I, I, have, I don't know if it was me, but I think it was the Holy Spirit. Neither of these things would go away. And I was compelled to kind of put them together, kind of like a fusion. And the reason why we call it field goals, I was talking to Henry about this, is because we want to make it practical. When it comes to goals, we don't want it in some ivory tower. We don't want it in just that the comfortable, cozy office behind the desk. No, let's get, let's get dirty. Let's get out in the field. You know, because some people, they, they, they read their Bible every year, but they don't live their Bible. They don't have no love. Let's make this practical. Let's let these be field goals. And I know you guys have a lot of different things on your mind, and everyone here is in different situations. My encouragement to you is to pray. Ask the Lord to show you what they might be. Um, but for me today as a pastor, uh, these are some of the things that God kind of laid on my heart and that come to mind, okay? So um, I think I have nine things that I'm going to share with you. At first, I had 99 things, but then I know I just honed it down, and there's so much more we could say, but let me just share these with you real quick. Number one, in 2023, get in the game. Get in the game and find your position. Start serving the way God has called you to serve. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want to turn there real quick, notice what we read 
in First Peter chapter four and verse ten, it says, "As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Peter four ten in the NLT says, "God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts." Use them well to serve one another. Let me ask you a question today. Are you in the game? Are you? Are you serving the way that you're supposed to serve? I remember when I played sports, by the grace of God, that was one of the things that my coaches always liked about me is that I hustled, I tried, I wasn't the best player, but I gave it 110% effort. And so when we're, when we're serving, when we're in the game, this is how we're supposed to serve. You'll be blessed if you do. You know, that's what Peter says, man. Everyone here has received a gift. You have to use that gift. One day when you stand before Jesus, you cannot blame it on me if he, you know, if he, if he reveals the fact that you took your gift and you buried it. You did nothing with it because you were warned. One day you will stand before Christ at the beam of seat and you will give an account for the gifts and talents that you've been given, that you were called to serve the church and the Lord with. And so, right off the bat, New Year, 2023, let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to serve God? we got, I got to get in the game. When I was thinking of that passage in Romans 12, and it's such a, a great you know, book when you lead up to the book of Romans chapter 12, First, in the beginning of the book, he says everyone's guilty. Uh, you all need to be saved. And then he tells you how to get saved by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And then he talks about you know, the Holy Spirit and how God you know, helps you when you're saved. And even about Israel and how we have the promises. You know, we're saved, they're saved. It's an amazing book. What a great salvation. But then in chapter 12, in verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And, and what he's doing is he's begging them. He's begging them. The great apostle Paul is begging them. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, your rational act of worship or service. When it comes to the whole salvation that we've been given, it all leads up to say, praise God that I'm saved now, now that you've got to get in the game now. You've got to discover your gifts, develop them, and deploy them because there is a world to reach and there is a God to glorify. Right here when you're reading this, is so cool. You know, some people, they don't want to serve in the church for the same reason some people don't play football because they don't want to get tired. Or they don't want to get injured by the enemy or the opposition. Or they don't want the you know, opposition of being in that position. And they're just not willing to make sacrifices. And so you have 22 guys in the game, on the field. Each team, probably about 45 to 50 players. But then you have 100,000 people watching in the stands each Sunday. And 112 million people watching from TV at home. No, it's time to get in the game, to get your hands dirty, to make those sacrifices, to be willing to be tired. Yes, it is inconvenient, but it is the calling of Jesus Christ. 
You know, I was thinking about the 112 million that are watching online, and I don't want to offend anybody who's watching online, but you know, maybe it's time for you to get in the game. Maybe it's time for you to come back. You know, we don't serve God just with our money. Well, here, well, yeah, I watch online, but I give a donation. No, God wants you. God wants your body. That's what he's saying right here. You know, contributions, they go way beyond the monetary aspects. He doesn't want you just to buy a ticket. He wants you to get in the game. We should all be in the game in every sense of the word, and we find our position. You know, because it's so so crazy. You know, in America, United States of America, man, there's so many things that will just sweep you away. That's why Paul, in the very next verse there in Romans 12, he says in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's saying, you've been saved with this great salvation, so present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, because the world will say, you don't need to give your life to God. The world will say, you don't need to give your body to God. Yes, you do. He made you, and he saved you. And then he goes on, and if you read Romans 12, 3 through 8, he talks all about that. He talks about exercising your gifts by faith for God. Be careful, because the world will suck you for everything that means nothing. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So for us, we have to make sure that that we, we get in the game. You know, you read 1 Corinthians 12, and it's an amazing passage, and it talks about how the church is a body, and we're different. Have you guys noticed that about people? Like, you're like, hey, I, I like that person because they're like me. I don't like that person because they're different than me. Sometimes we're like that, right? And God says, no, there needs to be a diversity because there's different members of the body, right? The hand is different than the heart, right? The lung is different than the liver. The, eye, the ear is different than the eye. There's a necessity there for diversity. But it's interesting because he goes on to say in chapter 12 that there's a need for that, each other, right? I mean, you need that, that you know, brain. You need uh, those organs, right? Even though they're not the presentable, even though they're not front, even though they're on the platform, it doesn't matter. We all need each other so that none are better than the other. I'm experiencing life right now with my knee halfway. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? I need my knee, but it's giving me a hard time. And, and that's the way it is in life. You know, and you might be like, oh, no one's missing me. Yeah, I serve in ministry, kind of, sort of. And then you don't show up when you're scheduled to serve. We need you. And you need to be faithful. You, we need to take ministry seriously. There needs to be this understanding of diversity and even necessity, how we need each other, and then unity. And so number one, in 2023, you have to pray about the divine details, but I encourage you, get in the game and find your position. And then secondly, and not necessarily in order of importance, but but the second thing I want to share with you as a good follow-up, you guys are going to probably make get mad at me, or I'm not sure what to, but let me just tell you, number two, have fun. Have fun. You know, Warren Wiersbe called humor the lubricant, the, the grease that's necessary to be there in between the intense friction of hard objects. 
I can't believe Manny's doing a football thing today. Come on, smile, man. It's not just okay to smile, laugh, and have fun. It's not just okay. Listen, we need it, and God has a purpose for it. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, and verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. In verse 4, it says, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I mean, sometimes my wife will, will dance at home or sometimes we'll dance together, but I love, I love to see her dance. And, and don't you love it when your kids laugh? Don't you love it? Right? And that's how God is with us. We need to take in the blessings of life, you guys. We need to, I remember reading about when Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah and they were old in age. What a miracle God did. It says in Genesis, Genesis 21.6, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. There was, a, there was a laughter of joy. Take in those blessings. Man, receive them. Job 8.21, it says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. That's what God does. God loves to make us smile and laugh for good reasons. Humor is a gift from God. It actually reaches the spirit. It then reaches the heart and it then shows up in our face. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You know, it even helps us, humor helps us to help others physically. Did you know that? Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Have you ever met someone who has absolutely no sense of humor have you guys ever met someone like that let me tell you it's kind of like it it hurts almost man you're almost like a scared you're afraid to be around them because they're not willing to smile so my encouragement to you in, in 2023 is you know pray lord um help me to have fun again i remember when i started the christian life you know i remember when you know these guys even playing football when you were, how many of you guys, we were little, man, we played football on the streets. Believe it or not, I was a big tight end in uh, junior high. Uh, I was uh, pretty good at the time. Um, I love football. You know, I don't really have the time to watch the games anymore. Um, but, you know, maybe I'll catch a playoff game or, or maybe, I don't know, even the Super Bowl, sometimes I can't watch it. But, you know, the thing about it is that I'll check the, the, the standings, you know, and, and these guys, as they're playing, it started off, they're having fun. Hopefully, they're still doing it. Getting back to that analogy, you know, you can talk to any player and they'll tell you, I can't believe I get paid to play football. After all, you know, it, it is a game. And part of the reason I made this my second point is because I know some people, they're grumbling after their first point. What do you mean, Manny, get in the game? The Christian life is not a game. No, I know that. I know that. It's a war. I know that. But listen, lighten up. It's okay to have some fun because I'll tell you what, if you don't have fun, you ain't going to win the war. You need to be able to laugh with your you know, people that you go and minister to. You go to one of these Mexico missions trips, and I'll tell you, that's part of the trip the joy, and the way that God knits hearts together that way. Now, I know if we don't learn to crack a smile once in a while, if we take ourselves too seriously, if we don't have a sense of humor, 
and, and even have that goal in, in life, then the devotion will eventually become a duty and then it becomes a drudgery. And that's why people, they're not really excited about ministry anymore. They're kind of half-hearted in it because they've lost the joy of the privilege of being involved in ministry. Find out your, get in the game, find out your position. Be faithful there, not for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, I've been doing this for a couple of months. No, when we're looking at pastors and leaders, we're talking about people who've been faithful for years, years. And while you're there, have fun. And I could say a lot more about that. I actually had some jokes, but I won't do that to you guys. Number three, in 2023, get to know the playbook better. You know, one time we did an entire men's retreat on this playbook. Um, You know, for us, of course, we know it's the Bible. There's this guy, Dan Frinfrock. He's one of the godliest men you'll ever meet. He goes around to all the Calvary chapels and he teaches them inductive Bible study methods. He's a godly man. But when he came to our men's retreat, he did a men's retreat called, uh, uh, you know, the playbook. You know, because he knew that men could relate to that, right? You know, in professional football, on average, there are anywhere from 4,000 to 6,000 offensive plays and variations. There are plays called by formation, motion, offensive line protection, and root combination. And so football players need to memorize each part of the play that calls and pertains to them. And just as they have their playbook, we do too. It's called the Bible. And so let me ask you a question. As we're entering into 2023, how will you read it? What is the plan that God has laid on your heart? You know, you, you have to have something. Will it be 20 minutes a day, an hour a day? Some of you have more time. Maybe it'll ch- a chapter a day, or maybe it'll be the New Testament in a year, or maybe the Bible in a year or two years. All I know is that you have to have something. Listen, if you don't have a plan now, yeah, you're like, Bible, what are you talking about? My encouragement to you, is that's one of the most important things. Because not only do you want to know the, the Bible, you want to know the author of the Bible. It's God. And God has chosen to reveal himself in that word. That Bible is food for your soul. Don't starve yourself. It's a, it's a living word. It's a working word. It's truth in the land of lies. It's the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving, leaving earth, right? And, and here's a goal where I can definitely apply that maxim. Have you guys ever heard that maxim? If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. You've heard that, right? Well, if you fail to plan on this, I can definitely apply, I apply this to you. You will fail in life. We're so accountable. God has given us his word. We should have a plan. You know, it's not just enough to read it, though. And this is where it comes into the field goal thing. As a matter of fact, I'd be a hypocrite if I just read it. I also need to heed it, right? I need to read it and I and heed it. I, I've told you guys a million times, my encouragement to you when it comes to the Bible is love it, learn it, and then live it. You know, the truth is, though, I can't live it if I don't know it. Some of you guys, you don't realize it. You're, you're a Christian, 
but you're half-hearted. You want to know why? Because you don't have the Bible in your heart. And the mentality and the philosophy and the worldview is dominating you simply because you don't read and heed your Bible. This is the cure. This is what God longs for us. Watch, if you turn to Psalm chapter 1, I love this psalm, and I know it's very familiar for most of us, but I just want to read it to you guys real, real quick. Uh, just the fact that this is the first psalm, which is a book of worship, it just blesses my heart. But, but look at Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and check this out, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever who does. This guy right here, this gal right here, who meditates in the word day and night. You know, and that's the key for so many people. You know, going to Cambodia and just, you know, it's amazing. You know, talking to different people, even Pastor Dale, when he came back to the Lord and Pastor Raw just said, hey, just, just saturate yourself in the scriptures, listen to Papa Chuck. You know, we have this guy who's an amazing leader. Some of you guys know him. His name is Ren Yame. He's a pastor in Cambodia. God's doing amazing work in him. And when he was out there, you know, living in the dump villages, they rescued him. They brought him back. The guy was so broken. And, and you know, no psychologist could ever heal this guy. So you know what they did? They just told him, read the Bible. And he started reading the Bible and reading the Bible. And God began to heal him. God began to change him. God began, I mean, this guy, when you hear him worship, when you hear him preach, when you see him minister, it's amazing. What's the key? It was this reading the Bible. And so if you don't have a plan, I mean, what will it be? 20 minutes a day? Can you give that to God? A chapter a day? Can you give that to God? Maybe the Bible, New Testament in a year? I mean, if you've never done it, that's a good place to start. The Old Testament together. It's so amazing when God begins to put things on your heart. And when it comes to the Word of God, it's so important for us to have this. You know, Joshua 1.8 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And that means you're meditating on it. You're actually speaking it. You're, you know, you know you're saturating yourself in the scriptures. It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. There it is again, day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And this is what I'm talking about, field goals. Not just reading the Bible. Oh, yeah, I read the Bible. I've always read the Bible. I read it more than you. No, it's about learning it in order to live it, right? And so these are our, our goals. Number four in 2023 Learn how to put your armor on, if I could just say that. Learn how to put your armor on. You know, basic equipment worn by most football players include the helmet, the shoulder pads, the thigh pads, the knee pads. They have special gloves, special shoes, a mouth guard, and compression shorts. 
Any football player would be crazy to go out and play without any of these things. Even with all this, it's a dangerous sport. There is one league that's playing without any gear. Um, they're kind of crazy. But you know, for us as Christians, the armor is described over in Ephesians 6, in verse 10. And I was wondering if you could turn there. Where Paul's writing here about our wealth and then our walk and then our war. And he says in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So let me pause there for a moment. Do you want that? Do you want that? Do you want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? I pray you do. And so he says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the the wiles of the devil. Let me ask you another question. Are you smarter than the devil? No, you're not. I don't care what school you've gone to. I don't care what your IQ is. None of us here are smarter than the devil. And the word wiles, uh, remember wild E. Coyote? Remember remember that? that? That's what he's done. He's got his strategy to take you down or to make you ineffective. And so what God is saying right here is you've got to put on the whole armor of God uh, or you won't be able to stand against the devil. He says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not human beings but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's talking about demons, how we don't wrestle against people, we wrestle against demons. And these demons here are liars and they're planting lies in your mind or they're you know, orchestrating things and the circumstances trying to set you up so that you would fall. And so Paul says, therefore, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so the evil day basically means there are some days that are more difficult than others. We're all going to have that. And so we need to take up the whole armor of God. And then he just breaks it down for us in verse 14. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod or shooed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And and you know, I don't know if you guys do that. I mean, you know I'm not to sound weird or anything, but we all got dressed, right? When we came, uh, we go out and um, we, we need to do that, spiritually speaking. We need to make sure we put on the whole armor of God. And so in 2023, if you haven't been doing that every day, you need to make that a goal to start doing that. You know, and, and so learn this, you know, and you could probably put it on. You can memorize the scripture if you wanted to. It starts in the, gir- the, the girding yourself with truth. But for me, I always like just to put it on. Okay, Lord, here's my helmet of salvation, and I put it on. And that helmet of salvation is the assurance of salvation. I have that to guard my mind, right? And then you've got the breastplate of righteousness. And what that is is that just an understanding that I've been given the imputed righteousness of Christ, which means I'm positionally you know, secure, and the imparted righteousness of Christ, which means, you know, God, make me more like you. 
Girding my waist with truth, it means I'm a man of truth. Having my shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace means that every day I go out, I am ready and willing and open. Lord, bring someone to me that I can share the gospel with. And then that shield of faith, what you do is you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's interesting to me how he says, above all, take up that shield of faith. Because the devil is just a liar. That's his ammunition. You know, those missiles that are going your way. You need that shield of faith to quench all those fiery darts of the wicked one. And then you need to make sure that you take up that sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And you're swinging that sword because you are in a battle with demons. And so for us, Every day, my encouragement to you, just like these football players are putting on you know, their armor, we need to do the same. You know, for us, it's so important. And then number five in 2023, I want to encourage you to have this heart, you know, this goal to gain ground. You know, don't, don't stand still in complacency. Let there be a passion to grow, a goal to gain ground. Now, Proverbs 132 says, For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. You know, in football, every time those guys get out there, every time those offensive guys get out there, they are not interested in staying in the same place. They are not interested in going backwards. Everything about these guys wants to go forward. And that, that means everything in our life. That means me as a man. I want to be more like Jesus. So as the new year starts, you know, you have to examine your life. Are you the same? Are you growing? Are, prayerfully, we have this heart to grow and, you know, to gain ground. I can't help but think in the book of Joshua how God had given them all this land, right? And so he had given them the, the, the victory or the guaranteed victory but the thing about it is that they had to step into it. They had to step in by faith. And God said, everywhere the foot, wherever that, that foot goes, that you will possess. But they had to go out and gain ground. Now, when you read the book of Joshua, unfortunately, many of them didn't. And God said, how long will you neglect to go and get this ground that I've given to you? You know, for us, my prayer is that we would not go backwards, but that we would go forwards. I always tell people the best way you make sure you don't go backwards is to grow forward. A lot of people, they used to, man, they used to serve so faithfully, but now they're sporadic. Now they're hit and miss. They used to attend church so faithfully, even midweek service, but now they don't. Little by little, things begin to ebb away at them. You know, and they used to read, they used to pray. And and what you find is that many times people are going the wrong way. We need to grow forward. 2 Peter 3.17, it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But he says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. You can think of anybody. Like I can look at any of you, and some of you guys I know, uh, some of you I, I don't know. But if I had like, you know, you guys know how this works, I could choose each any one of you, or you might be able to say, hey, Manny, 
I'd like to get to know you better or maybe, you know, whatever I'd like. How would you do that? You would spend time with them. But in any relationship, in any relationship, you can grow in your knowledge of that individual. Well, that is what we need to do with God. I want to get to know you more, Jesus, and I want to be more like you. It's got to be our heart. You know, one of the things I love, I don't know if I should, I'll just say it, you know, uh, certain individuals that I've seen over the years, you know, we're talking, I've been now Christian now for 30 years, and I've seen some people grow so much. I've seen it with my own eyes, but I've seen others not grow. And it's almost like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? We have to have that heart to grow forward. Number six in 2023, be ready to receive. Be ready to receive. I I don't think there's anyone here like this, but maybe you're out here, you're out there sitting in the seats and you're like, man, I don't like this guy. I don't like this study. I remember um, Monique and Anthony, some of you guys know them. She hated me for a while, man. She'd come to church and she'd be like, I don't like what that guy says, you know? And because, you know, you're giving the word and sometimes uh, we just don't like to be corrected or we don't even like to be counseled by God's word. But, but we need to be, you know, receivers. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. You know, what if you went into the next year? What if you went into the next year and you were like, you know what? Instead of doing what I normally do, which is I get ticked off when some people, you know, correct me, you know, or you get repelled or you kind of get taken back. And right away, what do you do when someone says, hey, you know what? You should have done that or whatever, this, that, and the other. What do you do immediately? And I've seen it and I just trip out. You start defending yourself, right? You start defending yourself. What if you went into the new year and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to receive. I'm going to take what this individual has to say and sift through it and see if there's any truth to it. Because a lot of times there is. You will be a better person for it. You will. That's what the Bible says right here. You know, when it comes to receiving, I couldn't help but think of the best receiver in the history of the NFL. Any of you guys know who it is? Jerry Rice, good job. You guys knew that, right? This guy caught for 22,895 yards. He earned three Super Bowl rings. He spent most of his career with the San Francisco 49ers, and then he won his three championships there. And he had a Super Bowl appearance with the Oakland Raiders. That's my team. Forgive me for that. Um, Anyways, this guy was nicknamed World because of his superb catching ability his accomplishments, and numerous world records. And so he's widely regarded as the greatest receiver in the NFL history. But what if you said, no, not Jerry Rice, me. I will receive. I will become the greatest receiver in the history of the game, so to speak, you know? You know, sometimes I've noticed this. Have you guys, you guys remember that, that passage, a soft answer turns away wrath? I, sometimes, you know, I've had different times even in church where someone will say things to me or whatever, someone yelling at me right there in the the foyer or whatever. And what I tend to do is I tend to be quiet and just kind of go away, you know. But that's not what the proverb says. 
It says a soft answer. It doesn't say a soft silence. It says a soft answer will turn away wrath. And so when that person's right there and they're telling you this and they're punching you in the face or whatever they're saying to you, you know what you should do? I love you, bro. <laughs> I love you. You know, there's a something positive that actually goes that way. And I just think for me, I'm thinking, Lord, I want to be a better receiver. Proverbs 9, 8, it says, rebuke a wise man, rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Thank you. Because I don't have anyone else in my life willing to tell me the truth. And so, you know, you want to be a good receiver. It'll make you a better person in 2023. And then number seven, beware of penalties. And by that, I mean sin, okay? <laughs> you know, in football, when a team commits an infraction against the rules of the game, a penalty will be assessed. Penalties can have varying consequences, right? Loss of yards, automatic first down, loss of down, things like that, ball placed at the spot of infriction. And so they greatly influence the outcome of the game. And, you know, yeah, our sins are forgiven. Praise God for that, you know. Thank God that his sin, our sins are forgiven. And a lot of times God will show us such amazing grace that it seems like, you know, he even uses those mistakes sometimes, you know, to work out his plan. But don't take sin lightly. You know, when you're out there and you're in the game, the coach is going to tell you, man, don't do that. You know, pay attention. Make sure you're in the right place. None of us will ever become sinless on this side of time, but let's see if we can let God, you know, help us overcome and clean us up a bit. No more persistent, consistent, insistent sin. We've got to be sensitive to those things that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on and surrendering those areas to God. And that's the key. That's the key, you guys. And let me share this with you, and I, and I, and I hope that you understand this. You, like when I think of like the new year, a lot, a large part of me is like, Lord, disciple them, you know, because we are called not to make converts, but to make disciples of all nations. Lord, a disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ, not half-hearted, but completely committed, sold out and surrendered. Lord, you make them that. Now, some churches, they have their structures and they assign people to people and you're my disciple and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think that's a little weird, to be honest, because what I've discovered is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is your discipler. And if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure there's things that he's telling you. Hey, your marriage. Hey, your prayer life. Hey, your Bible reading, hey, you shouldn't be doing that or going there. There are things that the Holy Spirit is telling you that you, we must listen to. Because what ends up happening is we fall into sin or we're, you know, sins of omission, sins of commission. We're committing these penalties and those, the, the consequences are affecting the outcome of the game in ways that you, you might not understand. No, Second Timothy two five it says, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Number eight, and twenty twenty three. Let's have a heart to win. Let's have a heart to win. Now this is probably embarrassing to admit to you guys, but I'm going to share it with you. 
I'm not really like a competitive type of person. I'm not, you know, except for when I play chess with my son. Other than that, I'm not. And so, like, you know, we're playing a basketball game. Ah, you want to win? That's cool, you know, or whatever. We're playing volleyball, and some guys start cheating, and they start yelling and all that kind of stuff because they're so competitive, man. They just really want to win. I'm not, I'm not like that in, in a lot of things, but in this, oh, this is different. Lord, I want to win. And, and there's two things, and I want to share them with you because real quick because we're running out of time. Basically, when you read the Bible in Second First Corinthians nine twenty four, it says, "Do you not know that those who run in a race they all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it." And what that means is run in a way that you may win it. So you're in it to win it. There in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. That's when I preach to others. I myself should become disqualified. And what he's saying is I'm not running to win this race and be the best possible me. I'm not running against you. It's not a competitive thing against you. I'm running in one sense against me. I want to be the best possible me. So run to win that. But then another aspect of winning, because this is definitely the football mentality, but another aspect of winning is winning souls. Proverbs 11.30, it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Let me ask you a question. Going into the next year, from a pastor, of course, you know, this would be important, but it should come from anybody. I mean, do you have a heart to win the lost? Let me ask you a question. Did you lead anyone to Christ last year? Through your influence, maybe you invited them to church, maybe your prayers, maybe your love, something that you did. You were like Proverbs 11.30. He who wins souls, you won souls. Did you win any souls? Now, not to condemn you, but you look back and you think about those things. And if you didn't, you know, did you try? Did you try? If you didn't make this a goal, Lord, as we go into the next year, I'm going to have eyes to evangelize. Lord, I want to win souls for you. And God will show you how. You start praying. You start reaching out. You start doing things. Invite them to church. And you'll be like, well, I don't know. Invite them to church. You know, maybe when we get a special guest speaker or something or special worship or special event or something. Listen, I understand this gets old for a lot of you because, you know, you come to Carry Chapel for a while. But for someone who's never been here before, it's not the pastor. It's not. It's the Holy Spirit who reaches the heart. So you bring them. You invite them. And you see what God does. And then number nine, the last thing in 2023, know when to take a knee. Know when to take a knee. You know, football players historically take a knee when uh, they catch a kickoff in the end zone. Uh, The one I like is when the game is won. You know, when the game is won, and you guys know at the end of the game, they just take a knee to run down the clock. And what we find as Christians is we're, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. You know, the game's already won. But we are still fighting. Aren't you? I mean, there's a fight. There is. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. 
and I have finished the race. And so when you know when to take a knee, what I'm talking about is, is prayer. Prayer. You know, I know you got a lot of other uh, goals and you're like, man, I want to, you know, whatever, make a million dollars or be president of the United States or whatever it might be. You got relationship goals and Lord, things will be patched up between me and my brother, me and my sister. You know, you name it, my kids get saved, Lord, or whatever it is, I get out of debt. But I will say this, and all those are great, and you articulate them, and you write them down, and you bring them before God, but nothing, nothing significant will ever happen in your life unless you get this one right. That we need to know when and how we should bend the knee and pray the way that we should. How will you do it? How will you pray? You know, are you just going to be one of those who prays real quick, half-hearted, don't really mean much before you eat? Or maybe you'll be like Daniel who prayed in the morning and, and the noontime and the evening. The Bible says in Daniel 6.10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knee three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You know, they were making a loss and anyone who prays to anyone other than this, you know, king image, then, you know, we're going to kill him. And Daniel said, that's not going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing. I don't care. All the, the way the world throws, all their busyness in life are God. You know, I'm not going to make any excuses any longer. I will pray the way God has called me to pray. And I don't know how that will work for you. It's something that the Lord will show you. But I do pray that we would have that heart. You know, these are goals, and there are a million others that I could have mentioned. But my prayer is that God will speak to your heart, and as we enter into the new year, you know, that you'll go out, you know, with this right start, I mean, even days, when I think of the days, sometimes if you don't capture the beginning of the day, it seems like you can never catch up. It's kind of like that in the year. And so let God lead you. You know, some people no longer set goals because not only have they read the statistics that most people don't reach their goals, but they are a statistic and that they failed in the past. But don't be discouraged. Remember, it's not just about the arrival of your destination. It's about what happens along the way. And one guy said the major reason for setting a goal is for what it makes of you to accomplish it. What it makes of you will always be the far greater value than what you might get. And so shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you might land there with the stars type of thing. God will show you. Of course, the most important thing is having that right relationship with God. So let me repeat them to you real quick. Number one, get in the game, start serving. Number two, have fun. Number three, get to know the Bible better and the author. Number four, learn how to put your armor on. Number five, gain ground and grow. Number six, be ready to receive correction. Number seven, beware of sin or penalties. Number eight, have a heart to win. Win that race to be the best you and win souls to Christ. And the number nine, know when it's time to take a knee.